I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. So we are going to do a Hey Mary Kay today. We're going to focus on several topics and then we're going to pop in with another one tomorrow um, and clean up some of the great questions that you guys left for us. So Mary Kay just got back last night from the NFL annual meeting in Phoenix. And we're going to start kind of where we left off with yesterday's podcast, where we checked in with her from the meeting. Um, And we're going to start with the Haslam's and the possibility of a stadium renovation here in Cleveland with First Energy Stadium. So first question, I'm going to tweak a little bit from Brand Meyer in Delray Beach, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, what was your one big takeaway from what the Haslam's had to say regarding First Energy Stadium? You know, I really believe that a renovation is what they're all about right now. I think they recognize and understand that a new stadium is not in the cards right now. That would probably cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 billion. No one really thinks that that's realistic at this point. The thing that they believe that they can get through uh, and that they can have the community and the voters embrace would be a complete renovation, a massive renovation of the stadium that would bring it up to 2020 whatever, eight standards by then. And, um, you know, I've seen some initial renderings and it's pretty spectacular. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You can see the whole lakefront, like right through the stadium. So when you're in there, you have an appreciation that you are here on this tremendous natural resource of Lake Erie. So I really believe that uh, it can be amazing. And I think that, um, that the new stadium, will be just crucial and key to the revitalization of the whole entire waterfront. So that was my big takeaway is massive renovation and revitalization of the city along with the stadium. Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me as somebody who I live in downtown Cleveland. So I'm going to kind of throw in my own Hey Mary Kay question here. So Hey Mary Kay, What do you think that a revitalized stadium could do to downtown Cleveland? And we we obviously get the luxury of traveling to some of these other cities with, you know, these amazing stadium setups. Like, what do you think would be some broad possibilities for downtown Cleveland if this kind of renovation, which, like you said, the renderings are spectacular if this actually happens? Well, you know what, Ashley, like one of the lines in my story, uh, you know, I wrote was that, you know, if all of this happens the way that it should and the way that it looks in the renderings and on the photos and in the videos, all of the cool kids will want to move to the 216. We want to attract more young professionals like yourself. We want 
all of those nice people that you went to John Carroll with to move to Cleveland instead of Chicago, right? Uh, so I think it would be fantastic for the city too. What they really want to do is connect downtown to the waterfront. I've lived here all of my life. I travel all over the country and I've everywhere I go, I always say, we are wasting this amazing waterfront that we have yes. in Cleveland. Oh, we're just wasting it. And, you know, my, even, you know, my kids who are in their 20s always think about, you know, some of them think about moving somewhere else. One of them is graduating from college, wants to move to Chicago. And, mm -hmm. you know, what, what we want, what I would like is for Cleveland to be sort of the it place, the cool place to be. And I think that's what the Haslam's are thinking. That's what they think. Mayor Justin Bibb is thinking, um, I'm all about progress, change, and and I think Cleveland can be like a mini Chicago. It's not going to be Chicago, yeah. <laughs> um, but it can be a mini Chicago. It can be. I mean, if you've been to Chicago and you know what that, you know, lakefront is like and all the amazing views they have, it would be really nice to get something comparable here with another great lake. So um, definitely is interesting to kind of hear that the Haslands seem to be thinking bigger with this. And it's not just about the new stadium. It's also about this whole lakefront area that, of course, has been discussed for decades here in Cleveland. So besides the stadium specific, um, I actually kind of want to go bigger picture with what you heard from the Haslams. We got this question from John Turner in Fairfax, Virginia. So, hey, Mary Kay, my question has to do with your impression of the Haslams. I've heard them be described as impatient and maybe short fused and a little overly involved in organizational decisions, but I haven't really seen them that way anymore. They seem to be slightly maybe more patient. So what do you think kind of about their demeanor over these years that they've owned the team now? Well, you know, I think it took them a while to figure out that, you know, they really didn't know what they didn't know. And they really had to learn and come up that learning curve and figure out how to assemble a good team in the NFL. And I mean, a good management team, uh, you know, a good regime that where the coaches and the front office are all in alignment. It took a while to get there, uh, but they're there now. They understand what that looks like. And uh, so they've got that part down. But as far as being patient, they're not patient. Jimmy Haslam is not a patient man. And I will tell you, when I talk to him at these owners meetings, even though he stopped short of giving an ultimatum to Kevin Stefanski, I will tell you what, he, uh, you know, he has every expectation that they need to make the playoffs in 2023. What does it mean if they don't? I even asked him that question. I was like, is that where you have the bar set? And what happens, you know, if not? And he said, I'm not going to turn this into a headline, you know, that I'm because one one year I did get a headline out of him where he said, I'm not going to blow this thing up. And then he did blow this thing up. Yes. Um, so, you know, he doesn't want to make those bold proclamations anymore. But the message was abundantly clear. This is a playoff season uh, based on everything that they have assembled and put together for this football team. And there's going to be a whole lot of big disappointment in the building if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of an extension of the discussion we had yesterday. It's like, it's understandable why, especially when Jimmy Haslam says something like, I don't want to make this a headline. But the reality of the situation is, you know, this regime has now been in place a while. You know, they've given the coaching staff their, their quarterback. They've made all these staff changes now. They've acquired, you know, new free agents that should help them. Eventually, even if there's not that ultimatum given, they are going to want to see results and results given all the money tied up currently, the decisions they made, Deshaun Watson's contract alone. It needs to be a deep postseason run. And I think that's just the reality. 
Yeah. And you know what, when he, you know, the way that I wrote my headline, you know, that he didn't give Kevin an ultimatum, it's as close as you can get. Yeah. He just didn't want to verbally state it. And I can't honestly say that I think that if they miss the playoffs that Kevin's going to get fired or that, and you know, something's going to happen with Andrew Barry. I can't honestly say that, but the bar is really set at the playoffs. That's where the bar is set. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know what the reaction is going to be. I think you have to t- take each season as its own entity and you have to take a look at it and, you know, break it apart and find out if it didn't go the way you wanted it to, what happened? Did Deshaun Watson miss eight games with a knee injury or something like that? If that's the case, then, you know, maybe you do get another pass for another year. You know, did they get to the the final game and, you know, just missed the playoffs by, you know, mathematically getting eliminated? You know, these are all things that will have to take be taken into consideration. But certainly when you're spending that $46 million a year on your quarterback and you have all of these other great players, high picks uh, in the prime of their career, you know, you just can't be sitting at home when the playoffs are going on, especially in the expanded format. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so let's move to actually on the field now. We have some good questions or interesting questions too. I should say, about the Browns' defense. So let's start off with this one from Brian from Delaware, Ohio. Hey, Mary Kay, you've suggested previously that the team needed some edgy or nasty capable players to give them more fire in their bellies. Do you think the addition of Bubba Ventrone and Jim Schwartz, as well as some of their recent roster changes, will give the Browns the grit they need to get through some tough games? You know what? That That is a really good question because I have said that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I do think sometimes you just need a little bit of, uh, you know, that little fire breathing kind of thing. And we've talked to Dalvin Tomlinson on a Zoom and he's about, you know, really good player, but about one of the nicest guys you could yes. ever want to meet, right? <laughs> he is. So I certainly cannot put him in the category of that, uh, you know, snorting, hulking, mean guy that, you know, sometimes I think you... Uh, need to get on a defense and have him be the enforcer. But I do think that they have enough of the right kind of energy on defense now to get the job done. You know, you might not have to have that, you know, that kind of guy that I'm talking about if you have enough talent and you have the talent in the right place and you have the energy. Juan Thornhill brings tremendous energy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Oboe, Uh, brings tremendous energy coming off of the edge. He's talking, you know, a really good game. And I'm excited, you know, for fans to kind of see what he and Miles can do together. Dalvin Tomlinson, again, even though uh, he is incredibly nice, I do think that, you know, he he brings a big, huge physical presence in there that they really needed. So, um, and then you're right. I mean, the, the, you know, the texture is right in that, you know, maybe some of that nastiness will come from Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator yeah, himself. That's what right? I was thinking, yeah. 
That's yeah. what I was thinking. It's like Jim Schwartz to me has, from what we know, and we don't, we obviously haven't gotten to spend a ton of time with Jim in this role yet, but like he just seems like that more old school mentality than Joe Wood. Like when I think about Joe Woods, I think of him more as like a player's coach maybe and a bit more, not easy on the guys, but you know, players' coaches are just different in how they relate to players. I think Jim Schwartz is a bit more hard-nosed. I think that group needs that. And like you said with Dalvin Tomlinson, like for me, it's maybe not the attitude is there, but the fact that he's so much bigger than anybody they had at that spot last year, I think is really key. So we actually had some Dalvin Tomlinson specific questions. So let's jump to those right now. A nice kind of transition. So this one's from Bruce Moore in West Palm Beach, Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns will still need to add a free agent starting left defensive tackle to play alongside Dalvin Tomlinson? And he thanks you for your great coverage. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know what? I I certainly think that that Andrew Berry still has his eyes open for some defensive linemen. I still think they could use another edge, right? Another like three or four edge. They've got Alex Wright that they could plug in there. But I think you need that five sack guy, right? I think that. Yeah. Um, you know, that oboe is going to be expected to be sort of like a, a seven sack 28 pressure guy. But then you got you kind of need that five sack guy. Uh, once again, I, I've said this so many different times. We've talked about it a lot that they got three sacks out of their two, three and four edge rushers last year combined. And that can't be this year. They've got to get 12, 13 uh, sacks combined out of those guys, maybe even a little bit more than that. So I do think that um, Andrew will keep his eyes peeled. He probably talked to uh, some GMs at the at the owners meetings. That's you know something that happens there as you kind of dip your toes into the trade market a little bit more after the first wave of free agency and see what you can get done. So those are a couple places where it would make sense to me. Another defensive tackle and possibly another defensive end. That's like to me, it's like defensive, another defensive end. Because you want that, I think, production to be more closely aligned to what it was in 2021, where they got like nine sacks, I think it was, out of Jadadian Clowney behind Miles of 16. And then Tack McKinley was really productive that year before he suffered his Achilles injury and was out for the rest of the year. And it's like they tried to do that last year by bringing Jadavian Clowney back and by getting Chase Winovich in that Mac Wilson trade. And it just didn't work. Jadavian was unhappy for most of the year. Chase was hurt for most of the year. And now he's with the Texans. So I do think it's like you not it's not just one guy and you're done because you really didn't get that from two places last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. So, uh, you know, you can never have too many guys that can rush the passer, yeah. especially in Jim Schwartz's defense. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at what the Philadelphia Eagles were able to do this year. They had 70 sacks. They led the NFL with 70 sacks. They had four guys in double digits. The Browns had Miles at 16 and then Taven with three. I mean, yeah. it was it was preposterous. And of yeah. course, it's not just the sacks, but it's the disruption and it's the pressure. And they still didn't have enough of that. So I would be all over the place looking for those kinds of things. And if you can't find it in a trade or free agency, then by all means, be looking for more defensive linemen in the draft. And that's the interesting thing to me, too, to bring it back to Dalvin, because we have one more. My power just flickered here. I don't know if you lost me for a second. Can you hear me, Mary Kay? I and, can, okay. yes. Okay, great. The downtown power just flickered, everybody. Oh, no. Um, 
So let's hope we can get through the rest of these few questions that we have to bring it back to Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, because I think like with him, what you're talking about, it's particularly interesting because he's not an interior guy who's going to get you a ton of sacks necessarily, but he does create pressure. He can push guys out to his ends so that they can get those um, sacks and stats as well. So I think it's particularly interesting with this question from Jeff Sapesi from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the addition of Dalvin Tomlinson will help the development of Perion Winfrey? I think so. Yes, I really do. I think that Perion Winfrey started to mature towards the end of last season. Uh, I think he's learned some things. I think he needs a good influence in the locker room, somebody that can really kind of help show him the way. And I think Dalvin Tomlinson can be that guy. He seems like just a great guy. Uh, I talked to some writers that covered him in Minnesota, and they absolutely raved about Dalvin Tomlinson and what a unique and smart individual he is. And I think Perion just needs a little bit of guidance. If you can yeah. grab him a little bit by the scruff of the neck and get him going in the right direction, you could be onto something with him because he started to show some flashes of that disruption last year towards the end of the season when he kind of got it together a little bit more. So now that it, he really does understand what it means to be a pro and will learn even more from the Dalvin Tomlinson's of, of this roster and, and will have a coach like Jim Schwartz who will rule with a little bit more of an iron fist, I believe. Uh, you know, I just think that could all work together for the good for Perry on Winfrey. I do too. And I mean, I really think when you looked at his career in Oklahoma, like he was pretty good at getting the quarterbacks for an interior guy. I think that's something that can still be unlocked with him. And I think with Dalvin Tomlinson coming in, it's not only good for him, but good for, you know, Jordan Elliott's still a relatively young guy. We heard a lot about him last season, preseason, I should say, throughout training camp where everybody was singing his praises. I think they're, the Browns seem to think there's more to unlock there. So that's another one, I think, to keep an eye on with this. So let's go bigger picture with this defense. This question comes from Howard in Los Angeles. Hey, Mary Kay, how much improvement do you think the Browns will experience just from changing defensive coordinators? A ton, some, or none? I'm going to say somewhere between some and a ton. Yeah. I think it will be, right? <laughs> That's a good, good, good way to scale that, I think, yes. Right? I, I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be a lot. We don't know if it's going to be a ton yet. You hope that it will be a ton. They've added so many new guys on defense. In addition to Dalvin Tomlinson, they added two other backup tackles in Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst, who in talking to more and more people, these aren't mm -hmm. just like, camp bodies like yeah. that's not what this is all about these are guys that they actually think can come in here and possibly become part of this rotation and if yeah. that can happen they're going to be uh, ahead of the game uh, but you know they're still going to be playing a 4-3 base there still will be you know similar elements to what they've done before you know Miles Garrett will you know still be you know on the outside in you know in a 4-3 defense although he might be playing wider in more of a in a wide nine type of fashion um, but I think it has the potential to be a lot better because of, of Jim Schwartz and all the experience that he brings. I mean, my goodness, he's called a defense yeah. for 14 seasons. He's won a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes. And again, when I talk to those defensive linemen, 
not even just the defensive linemen. When I talked to any defenders over there in Philadelphia, they loved playing for him. They really did. Yeah. They loved playing for him. So I think it will make a big difference. Not ready to say a ton yet, but I think it will make a big difference. Well, we did get one question that I saw. Maybe I missed one, but we did get one question about this secondary. Most of these questions today were bigger picture about Jim Schwartz or about the front of this defense. But um, Greg in Indianapolis wants to know, hey, Mary Kay, what do you think about the possibility of the Browns trading Denzel Ward to help cap space to boost the front of this defense? So I guess it is kind of about both. The front of this defense further. Outside corner seems like a full room, and he was the third best corner on the team last year. Now, I think for me, this seems kind of crazy because I think knowing the Browns, they can never have enough corners and they're paying Denzel like he's a number one corner. I think he's here to stay right now. Yes, absolutely. When you select a player that high and you pay him the kind of money that they're paying him now, I think it's $21 million a year. Uh, he's one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. Uh, they believe in him. Now, here you are on the brink of what you've wanted to do for all of these years. You're, you're right there with an opportunity to really go uh, to the Super Bowl this year, if it all comes together with Deshaun Watson as your starting quarterback for hopefully for them all 17 games, now is not the time to go casting your uh, Denzel Wards off the ship. I mean, no, that's this is not the time to do this. You have this core group of players that you have put together. He is certainly one of them. Miles is one of them. We did a whole series on the core players. And, you know, Miles is one, Denzel is one, Nick Chubb is one, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, the two guards, you've got your tackles, you've now you've got Ethan Posick. So, you know, this is it. This is the, you know, this is the prize pig to take to the fair. And uh, and it's it's not time to be unloading your key players right now. Yeah, I guess to build on that, my a question for me, so hey, Mary Kay, how likely do you think it is that we see them add to the DBs they already have? Because I, it just wouldn't surprise me at this point, especially after last year's draft. It wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, by now, I think we know and understand that in this passing game of today's NFL, you cannot have too many good cornerbacks, too many good safeties. I think that, you know, that's a position where – you need a lot of bodies. You need a lot of good guys. And it certainly wouldn't surprise me at all if they keep that pipeline coming. And that's another thing to remember, that the draft isn't just about this year. In some cases, it's not even about next year. But it could be about three years down the road and four years down the road. You need the pipeline to be uh, you know, really healthy and robust. And, uh, and I would not be surprised whatsoever to see them drafting defensive backs. Me either. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of Hey Mary Kay. We're going to, the plan right now is to come back with another one tomorrow. We hit the defense and the Haslam's today. Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at some of your questions you had about the offense and Lamar Jackson, at least that's the plan for right now. So until then, go over to cleveland.com slash Browns. Check out all of our coverage over there. Um, if you click the blue banner at the top of the page, it, that will take you to become a football insider subscriber. Those are where Mary Kay gets her questions from these from our tech subscribers. You get to text in for that. You get texts from us. You also get an email in your inbox written by one of us every single day, a newsletter. Um, so that's all the benefits of that. So Mary Kay, we will be back tomorrow with some more questions and I'll talk to you then. Sounds great.